Doing it live on a Tuesday edition. Bo Bishop back in the saddle with my man Johnny G. And uh, was I Wally Pipped? Uh, I know you had Kev on, <laughs> and you had you had Ramsey on. You had did you have Claret too? Yeah, we had Claret on along with uh, Ramsey. It was really good. With Ramsey. Um, so Mo the first really week I'm off, you have Ramsey and, and Claret. Yeah, and Kevin. But you which, went the Lou you know. Gehrig route. That's the Lou Gehrig route. <laughs> you basically tried to replace one, like you know, middle-aged suburban dad of ch- with children who likes bourbon with one who's just more su- successful. I wanted to see if the people who listen to this would even notice, frankly, like just to see. <laughs> did, if... they, did they notice? <laughs> no, they did. They did. I think, you know, okay. you know, obviously there was a little bit of where, where's Bo, but I, I wanted to have a nice contrast between Ramsey and then Kevin, because I felt that, you know, if there's any time to, to give people whiplash, um, yeah. it's the off season. So we're yeah. glad to have you back. Seriously. It's, yeah. it's good to be able to talk to you and, you know, get back to some serious issues as opposed to DJ and Kevin stand up back. So. Which is so strong, yeah. Poor Kevin. <laughs> I, 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 somehow that uh, social media that screen save that the the czar made of of me uh, with Kevin on the television show we do made its way around again this week, and I looked at him like, "What oh, yeah. the heck is this?" And then I, I figured you must have had him on here. Is the only way that that got yeah. back into the rotation. Yeah, I definitely that screenshot is courtesy of one John Ginter, and I had. Made oh, you say that? Oh, I did. Yeah, absolutely. Are you kidding me? It's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Yeah. God bless. God bless him. I, for some reason, the story I heard today was from Tim and Eric when we were taping the television show. It was that uh, was that the czar saved it, but but you're oh, responsible. Oh, okay, if he that. wants to take credit for it, fine. If Jason wants to take credit for it, you can go ahead and try okay. to take credit for it. That's that's 100 John again original. I have that original <laughs> screenshot on my computer right now. I'll fight Jason for that. I don't give a crap. Screw <laughs> that. That's that's me. That's 100 me. Okay. Well, I'll give proper credit where it's due from here on out. So, Thanks. buddy, I was in Southern California for 10 days. And um, for for those who who have never been to Southern California, you go there once and you kind of understand like why people go there and stay. It's 75 to 85 degrees every day and there's no clouds. It's pretty much perfect. Um, And you other than the traffic, traffic sucks, but the weather is fantastic. So I come back and I'm reminded almost immediately why I believe wholeheartedly that spring is the most BS season in all of Ohio seasons. And it's not even, it's not even close. I mean, there's not even another season in the conversation. It's seconds eighth. This is spring in Ohio is complete and utter nonsense of gray rain, mud, snow, sleet, 75 gray sleet. I mean, it's just dreadful. And and the one thing about that actually real quick, please do. Yeah. Okay, so I, I've got this uh, exchange student from Turkmenistan, and uh, she lives out in kind of the desert, and she okay. loves Ohio. She loves it, or at least has yeah. loved it, because she was like, I'd never seen so much green before when I came here, yeah. you know, in the last summer, and she had never seen fall colors, and she'd never seen snow before in her life. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was telling great. her, I was like, look, you know, you're going to get into spring here, and it's going to be like 75 today. And you're going to be looking around like, wow, this is beautiful. And I'm gonna be like, that's a trick? Don't believe it. <laughs> Do it's a lie. It. Because next yeah. next couple of days it's gonna snow right after that, and you better be ready. She's like, "Oh, okay, Johnny." And I was like, "All right, that's fine. Just show up to school without a coat. I don't give a crap." And then she comes in the next day, and it's like 32 and snowing, and she's like, "This isn't fair. This isn't right. Something's wrong in this part of the world." And I'm like, "Well, that's welcome to Ohio. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> this is how it works." That's exactly how it works. Yeah, uh, Tim. Today, when we were when, before we taped the show again, he said. He said something like that they're they're really that spring isn't even a season. It's just a long wait to summer. And I thought yeah. that's really is it. Like it's basically all basically all of March, all of April just suck. You have like right. five days total. Um 
but the one thing when I did live in Columbus that that always was kind of like the beacon of light of spring and kind of made you feel like summer was close was the spring game. Right. Um, and more often than not, in the eight years that I was down there uh, covering Ohio State on a daily basis and, and going to the spring game all the time, more often, than, I would say seven out of those eight years, the weather was great. I mean, for the most part, there was only one that kind of sucked, but the rest of them were great. And it was like this huge gathering of 100,000 people. And, you know, it was kind of like, hey, it's we're all back. We made it. You know, we got through the winter and, and here we are. <laughs> we're all here again. And it's all, you know, football season will be here any, in a minute, any moment now. So it was always something I really looked forward to um, in Columbus. And especially because for the majority of time I was there, the Blue Jackets were irrelevant. So their season was over and it was kind of like the one thing that you kind of looked forward to. So I know that there are people, not people who probably listen to this podcast, certainly not people who visit the site, but they're like in Northeast Ohio, nobody cares about the spring game. I mean, they, they have the Cavs, they have the Indians going, the drafts coming up. Like there's no talk of this Ohio State spring game up here, zero. Um, but in Columbus, to me, it was always kind of like this date on the calendar that floated out there. And when you got there, you felt like you were almost through it. And, and I always looked forward to it. So to me, it was always a very special experience. Did you enjoy it as a student? Uh, do you enjoy well, it now? That's a good question. I, so when I was a student, the first spring game that I went to, I was a sophomore. And I lived out on uh, Summit near uh, Hudson. So I was, I was about two miles away. And I was like, you know what? I didn't go last year, so I'm going to go this year. And it was like 40 degrees. It was rainy. It, I walked to, you know, like through slush and just the, the grime and, you know, you know, the gutters of, uh, you know, North, you know, Northeast campus. So it was, it was gross. And I, I was like, man, I don't know if I want to do this again, but as a uh, senior, I went back and it was beautiful, just absolutely beautiful day. Amazing. And I love it. Not just because it's an excuse to get out and kind of see some football that you haven't seen in a long time, but I like how egalitarian is. I love the idea that people who normally can't go to an Ohio state it's football cool game because it's, yeah, because prohibitively expensive. Now they can actually take their family. They can go and they can, you yeah. know, have a good time with the kids. Like, I love yeah. that. And that's why 100,000 people showed up last year. And I don't think the weather's supposed to be as good this year. I think there's a chance of some rain. But uh, I just think it's an awesome opportunity to have some fun at the stadium, watch some football. And I just like the crowd. I think the crowd's, you know, they leave early, which is fine because it's really yeah. maybe not necessary to say the entire time. But they're into right. it at first and the kids are there. And I just... It's a cool scene. So I, I like getting down there when I can, and it's fun. I always enjoy it. You hit on something that resonates with me. I remember the first one I went to, and for, for people who who aren't, this will be hard because most people probably listen to this are huge Buckeye fans and or went to the school, and obviously they most of them are, and they're very aware of how hard it is to get a ticket to Ohio Stadium. It's yeah. not hard to get a ticket to, let's say, watch the University of Florida play football. As big of a power as they are, and even when I was there, when Urban was there, and before that Spurrier, you could get a ticket. You could get a ticket for almost any game you wanted. And in many cases, it wasn't outrageous. And for the bad games, you could get in very cheap. Same oh, thing yeah, at Florida State. Could. I mean, these are rural places, small towns uh, with 80,000 or 86,000, 92,000 seat stadiums. And, and there were a lot, it's not like Ohio state where you can't get season tickets where you can't get into the game. And even the bad games are marked up on the secondary market to the point where you can't afford it. Um, so I'll never forget the first one I went to and seeing the people race to get down near the front and the look on people's faces who had never been in that place before. Right. And to them, it was a temple, a cathedral and, and something that in their wildest dreams, they never thought they'd be walking in. And then on the, at the spring game, they could, 
and they were there and and you hit on that and that that it, it, i remember it vividly seeing those people who had never would never have great seats before would never certainly be that close and in many cases had never been inside the stadium right but they gave them that opportunity i wish ohio state wouldn't charge for it uh was it five bucks i think they're charging this year are they giving it yeah. all the charity i hope I would. I mean, I, I imagine that. I, I imagine they will. They've done that in years past. So I'd hope they can. Okay. That. Yeah, they don't need the money. So hopefully, it goes to a charity, and 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 that would be great. Um, but uh, it's so it's cool. It's 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 a really cool thing. And and for that reason, I'm with. You. I'm glad you brought that up because I think of that 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 resonates with me immediately. Because it, I think Ohio State is almost the most untouchable program for the average fan in the country. Um, yeah, it's hard. I, I can't think of one that's harder to get your hands on. Than Ohio State for unless you have the means. It's it's like going yeah, to a tough. game or like a Red Sox game. Like it's just it's. I mean, in terms of college football, yeah. Like in college football, I can't think of one that would be hard a harder ticket than Ohio State, and more cost prohibitive than Ohio State. Yeah, I it's that's that's a really interesting question. That's got to be pretty high up there, honestly, because even well, they're always the they're always like on the resale market. If there's ten tickets, Ohio State has three games in the ten. Yeah. I mean, it's a city of a million and a half, you know, with the biggest, one of the biggest alumni bases in the, in the, in the world. So it, it adds up. I mean, it makes sense and they're, and they're good. Um, but yeah, so that I'm glad you brought that up. That's very cool. In, in terms of the game this year, you know, I, one thing we did the show today and, and one of the things that we, that, that the coaches and the players just hit on was this deep ball, deep ball, deep ball. And, you know, it was something that we beat to a drum and you called actually last season before we even previewed the season, you're worried about the right receivers. You were right to be, to be worried. And, um, and all of the talk of we're developing this, we're working this, we're charting this. And I'm listening to all these people, whether it's Zach or uh, the, the actual receivers or some of the defensive guys, all these guys commenting on it. And I'm, I'm just thinking to myself, you can, I don't know if that's coachable. Like either you have guys who can, who are elite, either you recruited elite guys or you develop, you know, above average guys into elite guys. I don't know if you can coach up an ability to to throw. I mean, it starts with the quarterback. Can he throw it deep enough to make it? Does is his arm scare the defensive backs? And do the receivers get past the DBs? It's really yeah. It's more physical than anything else. I don't know if it's coachable. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes, and I'm looking forward to see. Everybody talks about Benjamin Victor. I'm looking forward to seeing what he looks like on Saturday. Um, that's the first thing that jumps out to me. I want to see. I want to see how they throw the ball down the field and and what type of uh, progress they've made. And, and more than anything, schematically, what type of, of progress Kevin Wilson has made in terms of changing the way they go about playing offensive football and keep, keep getting the ball, driving the ball down the field. So that, to me, is the, is the most obvious number one thing um, you know, in terms of X's and O's that I'll be looking for you know, on the game on Saturday because it's the biggest question mark. Everything else on this team, I mean, there's some DB stuff and you know, that's got to get worked out, but you know the talent that's there. And right. you know, in this case, it's the one thing where you like the talent. It, it's kind of finite. Like, can this get fixed? And if it's not, I think you're kind of in for a similar season to a year ago. Well, what's interesting to me, so I, I wrote about this a little bit uh, last week, where I, I think the, you know, kind of the joke was is that you've got these guys that emerge in the spring game and then you don't hear anything from them. But honestly, I don't. First of all, that hasn't always held true with Urban Meyer. You've had a number of spring games where guys who are going to be the focal point of the offense had tons of catches and were all over the place. And the other thing is, I don't like <laughs> at some point 
somebody from the spring game is going to have to emerge or nobody is because they don't have a guy that they can just kind of hold back and see what's going to happen in the spring or in the, in the regular season. So I think all the cards have to be out on the table. I think you have to use this as an opportunity just to see what happens. And, you know, wide receiver is going to be a focal point. There's obviously, you know, there's other positions that they need to shore up. And I know that, you know, offensive Mm -hmm. line is maybe an area of concern for some people, but, um, yeah, man, it, the skill positions are going to be a really interesting uh, point of focus for this. And you know, Zach Smith, you know, we've we've gotten some quotes on the on the site and whatnot about uh, you know Zach and and how he's doing things. And I think one of the telling quotes might have been um, from the wide receivers where he's trying to refocus a little bit and get maybe more about you know more into it and whatnot. I think mm-hmm. that may suggest you know <laughs> some things about where his job uh you know performance was evaluated as of last year so you know if he can get back into it if if the wide receivers are confident that he's helping them out then i think i see that as a good thing but i i do think that it's going to be interesting to see how it really kind of evolves during the spring game because the people who are going to be catching a lot of passes in the fall i think are going to be catching a lot of passes on saturday yeah it's it's going to work out it's a good i think it's a very good point i i think um you you mentioned I remember Torian Washington lighting up a spring game with Joe Bozerman right. right. and just lighting it up like yeah. th- these things will happen. Here's the dangerous thing in the social media uh, message board world. The dangerous thing because JT Barrett's going to play about uh, my guess is ten snaps. I mean, there's just no point. Even right. with a black jersey, there's just no point. Um, so the thing that's dangerous in that world is if Dwayne Haskins, I think especially Haskins, if he lights it up that's that's that will be <laughs> something that will have to be managed all summer like jt yeah. barrett's a quarterback period nothing's going to change that and he's the best guy by 100 miles and that's why they're going to play him um and if urban thought that haskins was better he'd play him he doesn't so he won't but haskins has gotten up there and he's battling burrow for the two spot um there is this mythology with him that can grow with a big spring game performance and can lead to distraction. Probably not for this team, but more for the social media world. Um, and and the, the the quarterbacks in general, Joey Joe Joey Football, who to me is boy, I think he's really undervalued by the fan base because I think he's I think he can play. And I, and I, I think mean, he's I think a little he's more like JT mobile. before JT. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think he's, he's a guy who, you know, maybe people see as like a serviceable back, serviceable backup who could end up being a really legitimately good starter if given the opportunity. Yeah. I think people are, I think, I think people are sleeping on him a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, but anyway, we're going to see, and this is what'll be the most fun. Like, I mean, we can talk about receivers and that's, that's the most important. The most fun is those three quarterbacks. It's right. Burrow, Haskins, and Martell. Joe Burrow getting probably the majority of the snaps our first real long look at Haskins and then can Tate Martell see down the field in, with a, <laughs> with a, with a, with a, I mean, I'm, I don't, I don't, I'm, no, you're right. I'm actually being serious. Like, can he see the field with college football players who are all big, you know, can he, and apparently he can, apparently he's wowing people. So that those, that to me is the most fun thing I'm looking forward to on Saturday. Yeah, like I said, there's there's going to be a lot of skill position guys, a lot of you know big names that I think can light up. And, and really, this is a big opportunity for them. I mean, let's not pretend that 
the I mean, I know Urban Meyer doesn't give a crap about fan consideration all that necessarily, but if you put somebody in the conversation, if somebody can have a media presence because of a performance in the spring game or something like that, I have to believe that that gives them the leg up, at least psychologically over some of the other people that they may be going against because then they have the the feeling of a leader then they have the feeling that okay i'm number two or number one going into this that's important like i don't think you can Mm -hmm. discount that from at least a psychological standpoint i don't think it has much of an impact on maybe like how urban meyer feels but for the kids themselves i I gotta feel like that's a boost especially with a young team like this uh especially if you have a crowd of like ninety thousand people maybe chanting your name or something i mean that's that's gotta be a huge ego boost yeah, and I think there's something with Haskins that people, it's the size, the arm, all of it. Yeah, I think the, people right, are exactly. really enamored with him. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, as we wait for Emory Jones, I think Haskins, there's just this, you know, eagerness to see him play because of the yeah. expectation of what he can be. And it all really stemmed from, stemmed, you know, from last year's bowl practice when we heard so much about him playing as Deshaun Watson. Right. Um, okay, so favorite spring game memory. Uh, I'll lead off on this, and it has nothing to do with the actual game. It, it has to do with what was without question the most effective filibuster I have ever seen firsthand in my life. Okay. So to set the stage, Tatgate is ongoing. Trestle, uh, Gee, Smith have, have already had their press conference. The famous Gordon Gee. I hope he, the coach doesn't fire me press conference. Right. We don't hear from Trestle. That I can't remember when that was. I, I want to say that was like in maybe February or early March. Probably, I can't remember the exact date when that press conference was, but we don't hear from Trestle again. Trestle does not speak to anybody, nothing, not a national guy, nothing, until the press conference to start the spring game. So every media company in the world, it seemed, I swear to God, it felt like Al Jazeera was there, is represented. <laughs> At, right. at the Woody Hayes. I mean, it's a slammed media room. And that's a big media room. It's a full football team meeting room where they hold this stuff. So it's slammed. There's a thousand cameras. Jim Tressel walks in in full military fatigues. <laughs> okay? Doing the he Miami the, U thing there. That's good. He stands at the podium and proceeds. We have Tressel for an hour. Proceeds to go over every player on the depth chart position by position every long snapper third string tight end (laughs) kickers punters every position group and he would talk about the coach and the players one by one one by one it lasted 51 minutes god he talked for 51 minutes without taking a question (laughs) <laughs> just going over the depth chart. That's all he did. He just went over the depth chart. That's it. He gets to, he gets to the end, and Shelly Poe was the SID at that time, and she goes, "Question for Coach." <laughs> the first one is like it's like Tim May, uh, Rusty Miller used to be for the AP, like the hard line, especially you know Rusty was a hard line guy. Like right, right away, they they got a total of three questions, and he was gone. <laughs> it was the most effective press conference filibuster i've ever seen his at that point his i don't give a damn about your questions you're gonna sit there while i'm here in military fatigues and listen to me tell you about the third string tight end it was um, remarkable and johnny it was right at the beginning of twitter really taking off right and i remember live tweeting it and like that was hilarious 
like the back and forth of Trestle, like live tweeting Trestle talking about a third string tight end. Like it was just incredible. Um, I mean, so my favorite thing, right? I mean, the dude, he was unbelievable. He just, it, he was so effective. It was, I've never seen anything like it before or since. Um, there are all sorts of fun, fun moments with spring games. I think urban does a nice job with the bull in the ring and the longest quarterback throw and the, you know, Cardale Jones just standing there and slinging it 70 yards while JT oh. Barrett has to run up and throw it 66. Like there's all these kind of cool, fun things that urban does with the spring game. Yeah. Uh, but the trestle filibuster will always have a soft spot in my heart. That's pretty fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry I could have been here for it. And you wouldn't it, even it, believe it, especially you as a political guy, you know, a, a political history guy. Yeah. I mean, this was this was Henry Clay. <laughs> I mean. I like was, That's a good reference, by the way, but I'm yeah. very impressed with that. that I, I'm yeah. very appreciative of the Henry Clay name drop there. Yeah. Yeah, this, that, is, this was Henry Clay. Young yeah. kids, go Google. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm really sad I couldn't have been there for that. I'm also sad that maybe Twitter wasn't, you know, our, our jokes, our Twitter jokes weren't as advanced for uh, for the memory that should result from that because that, right. that would have been completely fantastic. I wonder uh, if anybody has a screen, even has like a, a still of it. I got to do some I, research I now. I, I feel like I can go back and maybe find some stuff. And I feel like now I, I wanted need to. to get a picture of him and fatigues. Oh, we definitely have that. I can find that on the site. I'm sure we have a picture of him sitting with his with his uh, cherry coke and you know and his his fatigues hat on. I'm pretty sure I've seen that exact picture before. Um, I bet I can find that. It was just outrageous. It was such an outrageous thing. And at that point, the fun, the the, the, mo- the the most interesting thing about it, when looking back, is if you would have told anybody in this in that room that day that less than two months from now he would be fired, they would have told you you were full of it. Right. I mean, he, he, this was, he was unfireable at that point. <laughs> There's no way anyone was firing Jim Trestle at right. that point. So to think that less than two months later he'd be gone, was, it's stunning to look back on. That was a crazy, yeah, it was just an insane three months. I can't, yeah. I remember, I remember going uh, to uh, the next like i guess it was the the media day where they had like the pictures taken and everything and just looking at luke fickle like a deer in the headlights it was it was insane like yeah. the level of tra- like the amount of transition that had to happen in such a short period of time was absolutely mind-boggling yeah yeah it was and wouldn't you say also that from a site perspective we'd have to ask the czar this but you were probably you were certainly involved at that point yeah i was definitely there. wasn't that the most important time in the history of the website Oh, yeah. Well, I would say there are two. I would say that and then uh, Urban Meyer being hired. Yeah, that's what I mean. Two. Starting with Trestle through Urban Hired. Oh, that entire year. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that is when the website went from, here's this fun little site these guys are doing to holy hell. Yeah. Like, they're breaking. This is a, this is a, a legitimate big time news source. Yeah, that and, was, and, and I think that's also that season uh, where, you know, when we, when, when we realized that you know, Urban Meyer's getting hired. This whole thing's going to change up real quick. That's when we're like, okay, we need to we need to start <laughs> maybe taking the the new side here. We need to start investing a little more money and time in that because this is going to yeah. get really crazy really quick. John Ginner is not going to be attending pressers after football games, uh, right? <laughs> and asking right. really stupid questions of Jim Haycock uh, anymore. Right. So, yeah, it, it it was definitely a huge period of change. We kind of talked about that a little bit in our uh, retrospective uh, last. Yeah, summer. that's right. Yeah, that's right. That was great. And I, I, I just remember it vividly because uh, 11 Warriors broke all the stories. I mean, yeah. broke them all. I mean, we were all 
you know, I was in a newsroom, uh, in the same newsroom with Dom who'd been there 30 years and we're all working the phones and Tim May's working phones. And I mean, the way I remember it, 11 warriors broke everything. And yeah, we, were we were all, we were working. It, it was really impressive. Yeah, it was really, really impressive. Um, so, so those are favorite spring game moments. Uh, did you see, uh, speaking of Trestle, his favorite, my favorite player of his tenure, um, other than the guys that I'm, you know, personal friends with in terms of guys I covered, uh, was James Laurinaitis. I mean, I just, there was, he was so, such a class kid. Yeah. He was a three time first team All American, um, two time captain. Um, he just was a great football player just a great football player. And he cost himself a lot of money to come back for his senior year. He would have been a probably top 10 pick had he gone out. He comes back, cost himself a lot of money, had a really good, but it appears that he has retired today. I mean, nothing official, but he tweets. I think you can infer that he's retired. Yeah. I mean, that's what we put on the site. I mean, I don't know how you interpret that any other way, really. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and and it's weird because, I mean, he had such a great career at St. Louis, and yes. you know, I think the all—I think he's the all-time leading tackle, you know, like in terms of tackles all time. Uh, but it was—it wasn't that long. I mean, it's eight years. Like I know in the NFL, that's that's an eternity, but right. It just—it seemed like he would be a guy who would stick around forever, and you know, be one of those dudes who's playing in his late thirties. But uh, he had a great career. Um, really interesting to me because I was at Ohio State as a student you know, with AJ Hawk and I saw, you know, James Laurinaitis as a student as well. Mm-hmm. And that, those were guys who I expected to just dominate in the NFL and just have yeah. like amazing hall of fame careers. And they didn't really have that, but no, it was they both had bursts. Uh, say again, I'm sorry. I, they both had bursts. Like they, yeah, had they did. And, and there were definitely some times, I mean, especially yeah. with James Laurinaitis where they had like incredible seasons. Yeah. Uh, it was just, you know, making sure that those were strung together, but it was still a lot of fun watching those guys. I mean, as much as I like James Laurinaitis, I will say that probably as far as defensive players go, I, I don't know that I had more fun watching uh, anybody more than maybe A.J. Hawk, just because he was the yeah. most consistent, maybe the most consistent defensive player I think I've ever seen. Like, he never yeah. made a mistake. And it was just really fun to watch that dude just kind of fly around and do whatever he needed to do. But James Laurinaitis was amazing as well. I love his lineage. You know, his his yeah. his, you know, his dad being a, a wrestler was amazing. Yeah. And people, you know, coming to the games dressed up like, uh, you know, the Road Warriors and all that stuff. I thought that was amazing, too. Um, yeah, he was cool. And it's it's kind of a little sad that, you know, that generation of Ohio State players, you don't have one of their biggest representatives in the NFL anymore. It's a little sad. Yeah, him and Malcolm Jenkins, I just remember them attached yeah. at the hip. And I remember them just both being great. And they both came back for their senior seasons. Um, (laughs) Malcolm's actually had a better career, a pro career. Malcolm's been great. Oh, yeah. Malcolm's incredible. For a long time. Still is. Um, I was going to say, though, I need to look up. Speaking of of photographs, um, you were talking about Jim Trestle's, uh, you know, in in, in the leagues. I think one of the all-time great photographs that either I've ever, I don't know if it's an 11 Warriors photograph, but I know I've seen it. It's of uh, James Laurinaitis, Malcolm Jenkins, and I think somebody else from that class or from that, uh, you know, from like 2007, 2008 or whatever. And they're wearing, it's like, it's like that one Tumblr, you know, devoted to uh, Michael Jordan's hideous outfits. Like they're wearing yeah. the dumbest, most insane, like Ed Hardy <laughs> crap you've ever oh, seen. Yeah. Like, you know, the teams with the embroidered, like, you know, yeah. logo on the butt yeah. and stuff. Like That's for right. men, yeah. it's horrifying. I want yeah. to see if I can find that and put it in the post because that is just like one of the worst <laughs> things I've ever seen in my entire life. That is, and that's not how I'm going to remember them, but <laughs> yeah, right. I cannot 
not think of that when I hear the the names James James Laurinaitis and Malcolm Jenkins mentioned in the yeah. same breath. Is the first thing that pops in my head is the most like buttastic outfit I've ever yeah. seen. Yep. And I and the other thing I always remember for them is they came back for their senior year and they thought they were yep. having their first team All Big Ten quarterback back with them and Todd Beckman he was benched by the second game. <laughs> it was done, and it was the Terrell Pryor show, and they yeah. all felt like they were sold a bad bill of goods. Uh, but yet they all, you know, they they helped they conducted themselves with a tremendous amount of class, um, especially Laurinaitis and, and Jenkins because they were asked to speak to us a lot, and they yes. were good. And you knew they didn't want Terrell Pryor at quarterback. I mean, they just had no interest. Um, and they and they were great. I just have a tremendous respect for those guys. Um, boy, you know. Playing for three, played for two national titles. If you're Laurinaitis on the field, um, and and boy, just had a hell of a career, really did. So, um, so good he, for him. Well, uh, last thing about Laurinaitis, one of the yeah. things that I will never forget about him is the way he first came in, like on the scene. You know what I mean? Like Michigan for game. Bob, right? Yeah, Bobby Carpenter gets Bob hurt. Got hurt. And yeah. Laurinaitis comes in, you're like, oh god, we're screwed. Like we we gotta have Bob. You know, like there's no yeah. way we're gonna win this game with some green moron linebacker sure. coming in, running around like an idiot. And he, I yeah. think, acquitted himself very well on that game. Played really, really well. And yep. I was like, all right, we we can do something with this. And I like that was a. I think that was what 2005. I want to th- I want to say. Yeah. Yeah, because that was a game that yes. they they almost yeah. lost. They they had to come back from behind, and, and he played a really good role in that. And I just that's probably my favorite memory of uh, James Laurinaitis because I just thought that was amazing that somebody with very little experience could come in in a situation that high pressure and do as well as he did. I thought that was amazing. Yeah. Um. So so good on to little animal. He's he's a good one. Um. Odd thing has not happened since the last time we did this. Yeah. Um. And and that is that there has been no movement on the Ohio State basketball front. Um, <laughs> I'm shocked, to be honest. Are you um, though? Because I, I don't think. Well, you're <laughs> I don't think you're that shocked, and, and I think you're right about this. I, you know, and you've been saying this forever, and you're. Yeah. I think you're right. I think you're 100% right about how Thad Mata perceives himself in the program. I knew how Thad. I I I feel confident that I have that pegged about how right. that conversation went between Gene and Thad, and how Thad feels about the way what he's done for the program i thought that there would be some sort of arm twisting this is what i'm shocked about i'm shocked that one of those assistant coaches hasn't been replaced right that's what i'm surprised um so what that tells me is that thad is even more dig in, dug in than i thought and i always already thought he was very deeply dug in like <laughs> I mean, he's not taking this crap like he yeah. he's how dare you his attitude on this would be how dare you question what i'm doing with my program that would be my, he's a great guy awesome guy uh, i love dealing with him um but is absurdly prideful of what he's done for the program and probably thinks it's completely nuts that anyone would have to give him a vote of confidence or have any conversation with him about anything um yeah, right or wrong, that's my guess on how he feels about this, and I believe that to be correct. Um, but I am surprised that there hasn't been movement on the staff, Johnny. I really thought that there would be some sort of shakeup. I just didn't think you could come back next year with the same group. Add Caleb Wesson, uh, Bell transferred. I saw in the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah, add add Wesson and just kind of run the same group out. I just didn't think you could do that, and it appears <laughs> what we're going to do. Yeah, that's. I don't know that you go all in with uh, the team that didn't even make the NIT and the, the same coaching staff and all that, but 
I guess that's what you got to do if you believe that you're capable of, you know, turning the team around. And I don't know, man. Like, I, I just, to me, that kind of seems like a dead man walking. And I feel like maybe he's yeah. just made the decision where he's like, you know what? I go in and out on my terms. Like, I don't, I don't want to have to spend a year with a bunch of people that I don't know. And, you know, if it's going to suck, it's going to suck. And then, they'll, you know, whatever happens, happens. But I, I just feel like his mentality is, you know, I'm going to do this on my terms. And if it screws up and yep. blows up my face, then fine. But that's mine. Yep. And you don't get to tell me how I'm going to, you know, direct this team. So, yep. you know, I, and I get that. I mean, I think after a certain point, if you've been at a place long enough and you've had enough success, I think you probably develop a little bit of, a, you know, an ego about it. And... I, you know, I don't necessarily blame him for that. I think he's had plenty of success at Ohio State and wants to call his own shots, but he's also going to have to deal with the ramifications of that. But as we were talking about before, you know, we started recording, it, it's just going to suck because it's going to be an entire year of this. Of it feels just, like the same. You know, like, if, yeah. Well, it seems like we're just going to run it back. Let's right. just run it back and play it again. I mean, it's... Yeah, with fewer people at the games. I mean, it's just... You yeah, know. I just, it's a dangerous path to go down. And... Right. um I mean, I think we have it accurately pegged on on why it's happening and how it's happening. And I just yeah. thought that there'd be some shakeup in that staff. Here's the thing to me that's a little sad. So um, my boys are old enough now, and we were on the West Coast. So the good news about that is, the, like, the national championship game started at 7 o'clock. So nice. they can watch. Right. Which is huge. Actually, it started at 6 o'clock. So, I mean, they watch the whole game. I mean, yeah. no big deal. Uh, they watch the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight, all of it. And so they fell in love with college basketball. Um, and there's no Ohio State to root for. So they, they're going, like, what, what to do? What do we do? So my oldest clamored to Kentucky. My middle kid clamored to Kansas because he loves, he's infatuated with the Seahawks and Jayhawks and Seahawks sound the same. Um, <laughs> and so they just gravitated to Kansas, Kentucky. I don't blame them. They're fun teams who wouldn't want to root for those teams. Sure. Um, and and they kept they would ask like you know where's Ohio State and I'm oh they didn't make the tournament this year or you know or last year or whatever, and then this was the real kicker though, so at the end of the Final Four of course is one shining moment which I adore I love it I can't get enough of it, so my oldest boy has watched one shining moment a million and a half times <laughs> since the national championship game okay right so if you watch one shining moment on YouTube once it just goes to the previous year to the previous year to the previous year to the previous year right and I've I've caught him watching this. It's amazing how far you have to go back to see an Ohio State kid in one shining moment. Oh, I mean, there's so depressing. It was depressing. It was like D'Angelo. I was at the game when they were eliminated, when D'Angelo in Portland by Arizona, when D'Angelo had that incredible no look pass on the fast break. Oh, yeah. His, I was bloodied against VCU. And um, so that one. And then, then it goes into Aaron Kraft, Deshaun Thomas. Um, and, and you go, wow. It's been that long. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, holy hell. It's been that long since they've had more than like, I mean, D'Angelo just has the one thing in one shining moment, but for, and then nothing other than, you know, since. Right. And it, it just hit me like, wow, it's been a minute for a program that for a while was a fixture is off the grid, man. I mean, it is off the grid. These are deep. This is a deep hole to dig out of. And it appears that Thad's going to try to do it with a, a fork and spoon instead of a shovel. I mean, he's just going to keep. So it's that's depressing to me. And it's I love him as an individual. I love him, and I love what he's done to the program. And I think he's, I think he's the best coach in the history of the program. And I know he hasn't won a national championship like Fred did, but to me, he is. But the way that this is going, 
it's it's gonna be I just feel like we're it's an inevitable finish. I think Dead Man Walking hits it. Yeah, I mean you don't I mean as as much as you can do for a college and as much as that Mata did for the Ohio State basketball program, that isn't infinite. Like your goodwill does not exist in perpetuity or I can't even pronounce no. the word, but it doesn't exist forever because right. you did something great in, you know, six, seven years no. ago. I mean it, it's and he's compensated, he's compensated it's always for me lately. And, and he's compensated handsomely. Oh yeah, and that's so, the other thing. You when you're making like, pay you know, millions of dollars job. a year, yeah, you gotta you gotta you gotta earn that cash. So yeah, yeah. Which so I'm surprised out. that they didn't, that there was no movement, and I'm shocked. And I'm a little shocked that we're basically just going to run it back. So yeah, well, <laughs> we'll see. I mean, I guess there's still some time, but and I, maybe he kicked the tires on John Gross, but Gross got the Akron job, and you know. You don't know how all that stuff is shaking out, but he, right now he doesn't have a recruiter. He doesn't have anybody who can go get kids. So right. that's a that's a that's a big problem. Uh, do we have any ask us anything this week? We do. We have several questions for ask us anything. You guys can send right. us a question to uh, dubcast at elevenwarriors.com or at eleven dubcast on Twitter. Uh, this one's from Louis. This kind of relates to what we were talking about here. He says, uh, "How is that now making five stars transfer from the women's team?" Uh, okay, so I don't. <laughs> Kevin McGuff makes a million dollars a year. Yeah. For reasons beyond anything I can understand other than they decided <laughs> that women's basketball is where they're going to spend money. I mean, there's no business thing. There's no business plan where it makes sense to pay a women's basketball coach a million dollars a year. Right. So McGuff hires Kelsey Mitchell's dad and then gets Kelsey Mitchell, right? Yeah. Do I have this right to this point? I believe so, yeah. Kelsey, I Mitchell, Kelsey Mitchell is great. Ohio State has gotten no further than the Sweet 16. Right. Now you tell me how... And Kevin's a fine guy, but how does that make sense? <laughs> I think, I mean, I, th- I think the plan is you want to try to develop like, you know, a UConn or Tennessee or something like that, or I say it's not going to happen, but, but why? I don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I, that, the that is the question. You're not making any money on it. Is it just to like, is it just to puff your chest and say, Hey, we're good at everything? I think so. I, mean, what's I, the- I honestly think that's what the motivation is. I think it's just, we, yeah. we are going to be the best at every single thing. And we didn't got they the try hiring Don Staley. Say again. I think they tried to hire Don Staley. Possibly. Yeah. I feel like they did. I feel like she was at Temple at the time, or maybe had yeah. just gotten to South Carolina. I think they tried to hire her when they hired McGuff. Yeah. And McGuff's fine, whatever. But I mean, like for a million bucks a year, like get to a final four. Right. You've got the, you know, if she's the second best player behind Katie Smith, get to the final four. Yeah. And they got drubbed in the Sweet 16. Drubbed. Yeah. Well, and then because, and, and here's, and the thing about that was, and you can, I mean, Kevin has all the scoop on that, but I mean, they ran into a team that could just completely counter everything that they tried to do. Like, it, it's great when you're running over scrubs and you can score, you know, 120 points a game. Right. But if you play a team that actually plays defense and you can't do anything about it, that's, here's that's the deal, though. That's on coaching. You, you've got a, first, you're right. And you have a first team All American. Right, right. So <laughs> scored, you have one of the like, five best like, players in America. All points. Yeah. So if anybody were to, were to start drafting a women's college basketball team, there'd be three kids from UConn, a kid from South Carolina, or something, and Kelsey Mitchell. Right. Okay. There's nobody from Kentucky on the first team. I can't imagine. <laughs> right. So you have the best no, player. I mean, it's right. women's basketball, and you have the best player. You should win. So yeah. Whatever. I'm not gonna get fired up about women's college basketball, but the guy makes a million. <laughs> so, what are you gonna do? Uh, all right. So this one's from Alvin. Uh, he says on the topic of stand-up comedy, who would on the uh, football team give the best and worst stand-up act? 
The funniest kid I ever covered by far was Tyvis Powell. Yes, that's not even close. Yeah. I mean, there just isn't even anybody. And honestly, Alvin, like we don't even get it. We don't get it. I feel like Demario McCall would be hilarious. That was I was about to say he's basically the Cat Williams of the football team. Like Yeah. Yeah. Demario McCall right. is, is my choice immediately. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, who's your favorite stand up comedian? Oh man, that's a good question. I really like Pat Oswalt a lot. Okay, um, yeah, he's very funny. I'm a big I'm a big fan of his. Uh I mean Dave Chappelle, the, the one stand up that he did, I think like in the like right after the first year of the Chappelle show, it was a while mm-hmm. ago. Is probably my favorite stand-up set of all time. Um, Better but than yeah, the Chris I think right Rock now, ones? currently, like I'm a big Patton fan. The Chris Rock ones are incredible. Yeah, God, Chris <laughs> Rock's really good. I saw him live actually at Ohio State. He came to Ohio State, and oh, I don't think great. I've laughed harder in my entire life. Like I was crying by the end of it. Uh, the Eddie Murphy bad. stuff from the '80s all holds up. Like Raw holds up absolutely to this day. It's, it's, it's funny if you ever see it for the kids who think that he's just the voice in Shrek. Uh, he was actually <laughs> off the charts. That would, um, that would freak a lot of kids out, I think, who believes. Yeah, I think it would. If they heard Raw, and yeah. they have no point of reference. That would be a little game. that would be a little disturbing, I think. Yeah. Um and I like I like Bill Burr a lot. Yeah. I think he's pretty Bill Burr's yeah, he's he's pretty good. I like him a little bit. I think he does a, I think he's a pretty funny guy. I like his style of humor. Uh lost a great one with Rickles, who's like the greatest yeah, just... talk show ghost of all time. Guest, yeah. Yeah, Don Rickles just uh, pieced out. That's sad. Uh, I was, you know, I was, I got a little bit of a kick just watching some old stand up. I still like Richard Pryor's stuff. I think a lot of stuff oh, he did was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I was never a big Jim Carlin guy, but, or Jim Carlin, God, came and talk George. right now. George Carlin, thank you. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think among his contemporaries, I think uh, Richard Pryor was pretty amazing. And, and the thing that he did, like, you know, he kind of lit himself on fire and, and just kind of freaked out and had to freak out and yeah. was in, in the hospital. My all-time favorite thing a comedian's ever done is the first thing he did on his first uh, show back from that is light a match and then just, like, have it go up and down and said, what's this? And he said, this is me running down the street. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he's, I mean, the dude, was, the dude was untouched. He was he was incredible, and he paved the way for guys like Dave Chappelle and all these other dudes. You know, Patton Oswalt's completely, like, he's a totally different guy, a lot more cerebral, but... I yeah. like everybody. I mean, Jim Gaffigan. Jim Gaffigan doesn't do anything but joke about food, and I think he's one of the funniest dudes on the planet. He's very good. So, yeah, yeah I'm a big there's fan. a lot. It's a good group right now. Yeah, I, there's a lot of good comedians out there. I would also say that the worst uh, comedian would probably be uh, Urban uh, Meyer himself. Um, I, I cannot imagine him doing stand up of any kind whatsoever. Do you remember when? Um, uh, when you are you a Seinfeld guy? Yeah, yeah, I love Seinfeld. Do you remember? Do you remember when George? Uh, was doing the opposite and thinking he was really funny. Yeah, and right. And Elaine hit him and said, "Do is that you or are you doing the opposite?" He said, "No, that was me." And she hits him and she said, "Do the opposite." <laughs> I feel like doing that with Urban. Like you're not funny, right? Like everything that you, you do, don't do that. You have everything. You are excellent at everything except being funny. Right? You're not. So just forget <laughs> it. Don't try to be. I will Lock say something, Jack. I will say though the photo bombs that he does occasionally are, are pretty. He has a sense of humor. Yeah, he does clearly. Yeah, but he's not funny as a <laughs> joke teller or whatever. Yeah, agree. All right, so last yeah. one here. Uh, this is uh, from Kai's. He says, uh, "You might have been asked this before, but I just started listening to the podcast not too long ago. Due to brutal traffic on the east side of Pittsburgh, uh, I live here now, but grew up in Powell and went to Iowa State. And he basically wants to know about top five top 
top five pizza places in Columbus. I don't know if we need necessarily to rehash pizza places, but he also wants to know top five overall restaurants. And I've been thinking about that a lot actually recently. Like what's a good, like in Seabus, what, what is an underrated restaurant that you think people need to get out to more? Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, so my, I'll just, I mean, I, this just, this is totally off the top of my head. It's been a while. It's been two years since I lived there, but my yeah. favorite restaurant to take my wife to dinner for a special occasion was M. Okay. And, and I would request a special table and they would do it. And it was awesome. I mean, the that's food's nice. great. It's a, it's a, such a quiet place. You know, they put little curtain. It's that's so a special occasion was M. Um, my favorite uh, dish in Columbus was at third in Hollywood in Grandview. They had a, um, a marinated hanger steak that they only did on Tuesdays um, that I would try to go for every Tuesday. And it was with uh, black beans and rice and it was nice. flawless. And it was That's my awesome. favorite meal uh, in Columbus. And probably the one I had that I probably ordered that more than any other meal in Columbus uh, was probably that Columbus is a great, great food city. Um, yeah. Barcelona's great. Yeah, it um, is. Oh man. I love Barcelona. Barcelona is great. Rigsby's is good. Um, gosh, there's a million. I mean, Ocean Club's cool. There's a, there's a, there's so many. I mean, all the all of Cameron's places are pretty good. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, I, you, you can kind of stumble into great places. I'm, there's going to be a place I'm forgetting just because I didn't, th- I hadn't, you know, thought about this. But um, what's the pl- the other place in German Village that's really good? I mean, they got Thurman's, but I like I like Schmidt's a lot. Uh, the sausage house. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the one right on the corner though? That's a it's a steak place. Oh, they got a great uh, brunch. Whatever. Yeah, I can't so remember. I get a thousand tweets about it, but um, <laughs> but yeah, no. There's there's a Columbus's. How about you? What's the uh, what's the go to uh, date night with a lady friend? It's funny you, you mentioned him because I actually took uh, my fiance there right after I proposed. Um, yeah, and that was that was their food's incredible. That was that was really awesome. I like that a lot. Um, yeah, and if you get a spe- if you get a special table, like they'll put you up. If you know, like when you walk in, if you go the back in the back, yeah, that's some, what they did. Uh, yeah. Like circular booths with like a, and they bring down like a netting. Yeah, and we had like it's this awesome. really good view of the city. It was it was yeah, yeah. it was really no, it's great. Yeah, it's great. Um, so that's like that's kind of fa- we we don't really do like super fancy very often, but that was really fun. Um, there is, I don't know, I kind of like I don't. Love it, but I, I like diner food. I like when it's done well. It's like kind of comfort food. And there's this mm-hmm. one place called like Wildflower Cafe um, on Indianola that is really okay. small. It looks like it's completely out of place. It looks like it's something that should be off a highway or something in rural Ohio. And okay. their food is really, really good. They have a lot of really good sandwiches, and it's just nice like lunch kind of food. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, <laughs> I always go to bat for Mama's Pasta and Brew every time this comes up because. Okay. It's, it's like my favorite, like grungy, crappy place on High Street. Yeah, uh, you know places like the Dube. I like you know those are those are my kind of joints. Like I, I like kind of the the college grungy seven dollars for a meal feel. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I would say probably that. That that's 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 kind of how I try to roll. Also, I live really near uh, Tenske Market, and they have a lot of really good Asian food over there with like Tenske Express and and their yeah. uh, their sushi place. So I, I'd say those are my my go tos. There's like a, like how North Market hit like hot chicken. I love the hot yeah, chicken. Everything about North I mean, Market's that, great. That came at the end of my time there. Hot chicken came on at the end, yeah. and that was that stuff. I miss that all the time. Um, I love a Buddha bowl at North Star. Never disappoints. Yeah, I mean, just North always great. North Star's great. Um, 
Yeah, you, there's so many good ones. Yeah, the crest so on uh, on crest, it's right off Indianola is really good too, um, which is basically like North Star, but they've got a little different. Yeah. That's fun. So yeah, local yeah. roots and Powell's good too. Uh, oh yeah, there that, you yeah. go. That's a good um, spot. Yeah. So there's all kinds of places. You're absolutely right. I think Columbus is really good. You can just go out driving or just put in something in Google search and you'll find something new pretty much every yeah. time. Good. So yeah, I yeah, like that. Good stuff. All what right, is your favorite pizza in Columbus? Uh, again, ask us any questions you guys might have about life, love, the universe, food, and uh, we'll answer them. That's, you know, dubcast at 11warriors.com or at 11dubcast on Twitter. What's your favorite pizza? Columbus. Uh, hound dogs. Hound dogs. Easy. Hound dogs. I've never had that. Love hound dogs. Um, yeah. There are a lot of there are a lot of good places. I'm not trying to like discount you know Adriatico's or some of these other places, but hound dogs yeah. is my is my jam. Uh, Smoky, yeah. what is that? I think it's like Smoky Joe's crust. I always get my my toppings, and I'll fight people over this. Is pepperoni and green olives? I've had it since I was a kid. That's my boy. The green jam. olive is an interesting twist. I love it. Pepperoni and green olives every time. Well, I love a green olive. I've never had it on a pizza though. Oh, it's good. It's salty. Yeah. I'm usually salty. a pepperoni mushroom guy. I don't see. I'm not a big fan of mushrooms on the pizza. I just, I remember I got a pizza from like, I can't even remember what the name of this place was. It was, it's in Grove city or something. And I asked like Courtney, and I were asking for a Hawaiian and they didn't know what it was. Yes. And I was like, what are you talking about? First of all, right. Right. and then they gave it to us and it was literally just a mushroom pizza. They had a half pound of mushrooms on this pizza. <laughs> At least that's not an exaggeration. Literally a half pound. And then, like, maybe, like, five or six pieces of pineapple <laughs> scatter. I'm like, this is the worst thing I've ever had in my entire life. This is horrifying. <laughs> so I just, I mean, I'll eat a mushroom, but I just, not on a pizza. I'm not, not No. Not Lindy's. Lindy's. Lindy's, yeah. That was the place I met. In, I was yeah. trying to think of the steak place. Pork in, belly. Uh, Lindy's is incredible. Absolutely. Lindy's is, yeah, yeah, Lindy's. That was the place. I, it just popped into my head when we were talking about pizza for whatever. Lindy's popped into my head. So yeah. that, 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 that's another great one. Lots of good ones. All right, buddy. Uh, we will do spring game recap next week. Yes. Lots to look forward to for the kids. Fun on a bun.